You're listening to FG Chaitka. My name is Elżbieta Ankowska-Dunaj. I am a mom, an entrepreneur, and a Chaitka specialist. Today's topic will be all about leadership in early years. Our guest today is joining us all the way from the beautiful New Zealand. She's an author, she's early childhood education facilitator, as well as a leadership and well-being coach. Her mission is to make a difference by building resilience in the earliest childhood educator professional through inspiring teacher to be intuited, hard leaded. She empowered and provides support for the early childhood leader to build an amazing team. Her maxim is a tree comes from one seed but bears many fruits. Welcome to the podcast, Tanya Valentin. And thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Ella. Tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Um, well, I, I too am a mum. I've got um, three beautiful daughters, um, two that are um, teenagers nearly near the end of their schooling and a 10 year old. Um, I live in rural New Zealand. So um, I live on a, a bit of like a, a small farm and um, I've been a, an early childhood um, teacher, leader in lots of different um, areas of the profession um, for about 20 years now. Um, and currently what I do is I, um, I, I work with teams and with um, early childhood leaders um, providing professional development and coaching, as well as writing um, blogs and um, providing, you know, courses and things like that as well. What inspired you to go in the field of early years? Um, I think I've always had an interest in it. Um, when, when I first arrived in New Zealand, um, an opportunity was given to me to um, be a teacher, but also to study at the same time. And I think coming from a country like South Africa, where you don't have a lot of opportunity for um, tertiary education, um, I, when the opportunity came to me, I, I jumped at it and I, I absolutely loved it from you know, when I started. So um, my first sort of introduction to early childhood was working a full day or full week and then going to night school and doing my qualification that way. What struggles did you face in the beginning and how did you conquer them? So you said I, about who you work full time and then you study, but there was something different too. Yeah, I think, you know, especially I'd only been in New Zealand for a few years. So, and I didn't have any family. Luckily, I, at that stage, it was just myself and my husband. We, I wasn't juggling being a mum on top of that. But, you know, I found really early on in my career that perhaps the way we're trained as teachers doesn't, um, you know, prepare us for how emotionally and physically draining the role is. Um, especially when you're working with really young children. And, you know, I didn't realize then that, you know, what we, um, we teach who we are. But back when I started, it was very much just bring your professional self to work, leave the other stuff at the door. 
But of course we can't do that because we're just one person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there is no professional Tanya and personal Tanya. There's just Tanya, you know, but um, that was a big struggle right at the beginning because I think that that was something that, you know, was definitely the message when I started teaching. What was your hardest moment through your entire journey? What did you learn from that? Um, there's been certainly, you know, things where I've um, felt were, were, you know, things for celebration. And then there's also been, you know, challenges along the way. But I think we always learn from those challenges. Um, I think my, you know, certainly back in those days, there was, you know, the challenge of juggling um, full-time study with full-time work. But then, you know, once I started um, moving into leadership, I think, especially in the, you know, early childhood here in New Zealand, nobody actually prepares you for leadership. They just say, oh, you're a really good teacher. That means that you can be a really good leader. Um, and then they might give you some training on things like, you know, program planning or, um, you know, budgets or managing, you know, things like that. But no one actually sits you down and, and teaches you about the people side of the job. And I think throughout leadership, how we are with, you know, or how we are as a leader leading people, that is something that's a, a big challenge for a lot of leaders and certainly for myself starting off as a leader in, um, in the early years. What was your most memorable, memorable moment? Um, oh gosh, there's so many. Um, I think really my, um, oh gosh, I, my first leadership role in early childhood education probably was quite memorable for me. Um, I had started with a team um, that was, um, you know, the center was in turmoil um, and I was, you know, given the position, I didn't have any sort of management or leadership experience before that. And um, I worked with this really amazing um, leader and she, she was teaching me, she taught me about, you know, the whole idea of, um, you know, servant leadership, taking your lead, you know, leading from behind rather than sort of teaching, leading from sort of above people like that whole idea of doing things with people instead of to them. Um, she certainly introduced me to that. And I remember that that is one of the things that I have taken with me throughout my whole career, um, working in, in leadership and in teaching. Did you always know you wanted to become a writer? Yes, um, right from a very, very young age. Um, I remember um, my mum even, we had a chat the other day and we were talking about how I used to staple little bits of paper together and tell my mum I was writing a book and that I was going to be a writer. Um, but then, you know, I think once you sort of go to school and the way sometimes school, you know, teachers, they, they kind of give you this idea that perhaps is not something that you can really make a living out of. Um, and a lot, there's a lot of messaging, well, certainly as I was growing up, that you needed to do something more sensible. Um, so, you know, 
why don't you take a bookkeeping course or um, become a secretary or something like that. Um, and it's only really when I started blogging um, about three years ago that I rediscovered that and thought, wow, why did I stop doing this? It brings me so much joy. Um, and so that's been something that's prompted me to continue to continue to write and to continue to create. What was the reason as to why you began to focusing on a leadership in LES? Um, well, because I was, you know, um, a leader for so many years in early years. Um, and, but also, you know, I got to a stage where I was, um, I was really depleted as a leader. Um, I was, you know, feeling like really like I was burning the candle on both ends, juggling being a mum, being a leader. Um, I had a huge team, about 30 teachers that I was, was leading in my last job. And I really got to a, a, a part of my, a time in my life where I was just running on empty. Um, you know, I was diagnosed with clinical depression, um, but I didn't know what was wrong. You know, I couldn't put my finger on why I was feeling so, so awful all the time. You know, if, if people looked at my life, they would have thought, wow, you know, she's got everything. She's got a family, she's got a home, she's got a really good job. Why is she sad? You know, why is she so unhappy? And it was only when I went on a company retreat with a whole bunch of other leaders from our organization, and I got introduced to the idea of personal development mm. um, and not just professional development. Um, before that, I'd gone to sort of courses on things like, you know, your practice as a teacher or how to... Um, do the budgets or how to do, you know, self reviews or different plans. But it wasn't until I went to this course. And I remember sitting there at the beginning thinking to myself, what's this got to do with me being a leader? You know, why, why do I need to work on this stuff? Um, and during that time, the penny just dropped and I realized, wow, you know, this is something that's been missing from me and from my leadership for such a long time. Um, and it, it actually, moved me away from doing what I was doing because I just thought, um, I realized that it wasn't, you know, that daily paperwork grind sort of stuff wasn't really my, my, the thing that I was passionate about. What I was really passionate about was growing, you know, the growing the leaders and the people in, in the profession. That was the thing that really set me alive. But until I did that work, I didn't have the courage to actually go down that path. I just thought I was stuck just doing the same thing over and over again, feeling really upset. Um, and so I thought, well, once I'd made that change for myself and I was feeling so much better, I thought, I can't, can't just keep this knowledge to myself. I have to share it because it really is the missing link, I think, for a lot of leaders, for a lot of teachers. And I really hate for people to think that they're powerless, that they just have to continue to do things the way that they're doing it and that they're victims in it because we all have power. And I think once you, you know, you have knowledge, um, you, you actually end up having the tools that you can use to be a better leader, to be a, a creator of your own life and to show up better for yourself and for other people. 
Did your childhood influence somewhere your choice of your career? Something because you, you, you said about about these feelings, what, what you, you struggle to understand, what about the matching leadership with, the, with this, what is happening in your personal life. So it's something happened, what is, what influenced because of your childhood somehow, because you now focus more on the, on the early years, on the, on, the, on the leaders, how they manage early years. Yeah. Um... Sorry, you did cut out a little bit on my end um, when you were giving that question. Would you mind repeating that again, sorry, did Ella? Your, did, your uh, did your childhood influence your choice of your career? Yes and no. Um, I think, you know, my mum... She was, she's a big influence for me and she's always been, you know, so amazing um, with, you know, just around young children. She was an amazing mum. I certainly had a, a great early childhood um, and I went to, you know, I, I did go to preschool myself and I, I did enjoy going um, to preschool. I think, um, yeah, I think what, what I... When I left school, um, when I realized that, or thought that, that writing wasn't something that I could pursue, I, I did sort of drift from, to different jobs, and then, um, but also realized that I wanted to have a family of my own. And so I thought, you know, what kind of career can I choose that will be good for, you know, having a family, but also um, where I can do something meaningful. So being, you know, creating meaning, um, having a purposeful life where I can um, enrich the life of others has always been something that's really driven me. Um, and, you know, so I realized that, you know, early childhood, sort of, the, you know, those first three to five years is so important for children. You know, it is the, the time of your life that, we, that sets you up for the rest of your life. And so I, I certainly wanted to be there and to be able to provide children with the best foundation for their future. And that's always been something that's really inspired me. So even with leadership, even with the work that I do around, you know, the psychological sort of part of my job, the reason why I'm doing it is because I feel like if you can't be your best self, then you can't be there for the children in the way that you'd like to be there for them. Because, you know, if, we're, if we create the reality outside ourselves of how we're feeling on the inside. Um, so, you know, if we leaders need to look at their priority learners really are the teachers uh, so that the teachers can do the best that they can for the children. So it has a real sort of trickle down effect that, um, you know, I think is really important. And that's something that's always inspired me is how can we create the best outcomes for our children because they are our future. And, you know, sometimes children don't have the best home life, but there is a lot of research around, you know, they just need that one person, that one person that saw them, that heard them, that created that seed in them, that was there for them and provided for their needs in order for them to build resilience through their life. 
Um, and so that's always been something that's really important to me. Yes, the, the attachment to the person. Yes, it's, it's not always is mom or dad or auntie, but just attachment could push with a big push. Absolutely, I agree with you. What is one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? Um, I think I would, I, I wish that I had known that it was a, a marathon and I would have prepared myself and looked after myself as if it was something that was a long ongoing thing. Um, I think sometimes, you know, when we, like a lot of my jobs, when I started, I thought, oh, I've got to be there for the children. Oh, I've got to be there for the team. I've, oh, I've got to do this in the center and prepare the team for this. But I never kind of looked at myself and thought, okay, what am I going to do to make sure that I have the energy, that I have the, the emotional and the mental health um, in order for me to, to do all these things long term. Because when we give, 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 give to others and we don't take the time to re replenish our own reserves, then, you know, it really has, takes a toll on us. And I, I see a lot of teachers and a lot of leaders doing that, you know, just giving the whole time and almost feeling like they have to be selfless, um, that, you know, taking care of themselves is an act of selfishness. Whereas, um, you know, <laughs> we all know that, you know, we can't give from an empty cup. And the, the best way for us to, to show up for other people is by, you know, showing up for ourselves first. But I don't think we go into our careers thinking that way. Um, I think as, as women in particular, we're almost programmed not to to put everybody else's needs ahead of our own. Yes. So I always give. Yes. Yes. Always give. Um, and so I wish that I had someone had set me down right at the beginning and said, Hey, this is going to, you know, be something that is, you know, going to deplete you emotionally, mentally, physically. So you need to make sure that you're putting some effort and some time into looking after yourself. And that it's not selfish. Um, you know, I wish I'd got that right from the beginning. Did you have any regrets? Um, I suppose, you know, there are things in our learning journey where we feel sometimes, um, oh, I wish I had done that differently or, um, you know, but I think in, in, a, in a whole, you can either take that of those things and use them as something to show you that you're not good enough. Or you can think, well, what, what could I have done differently? Or what have I learned from that situation? Because um, we're always learning about ourselves. And, you know, as, as human beings, mistakes are just part of the learning curve, which I think a lot of us don't get. You know, we think there's this path and it's just going to be smooth sailing. But I, I really do feel, especially in, in the last few years, that everything that happens in life is for us. So, you know, life doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. So, you know, what, what can I learn from this situation? Um, how can I do it differently next time? How can I be a better teacher or a better leader or a better mum from what I've learned in this, this situation? So in that way, um, I think no regrets, but just learning, um, you know, learning opportunities or opportunities to grow as a person.
absolutely agree with you all time i agree i'm to only <laughs> hold my head what people have been the most influential for you as a person and your work um well i think as i said before my mom was a big influence for me just growing up um she's always been a very kind empathetic person and a person that's not afraid to you know love with her whole heart and so she's always been an inspiration to me um professionally um, i take a lot of inspiration from the work of dr emmy pickler um and magda gerber um and I, although even although you know traditionally her work um you know dr pickler's work is um you know linked to infants and toddlers I take a lot of inspiration from her principles that I use in leadership as well. You know, things like giving people your full attention, slowing down, um, doing things with people and not to them, um, providing predictability and stability for teams because that helps people to feel secure. Um, you know, allowing people free, free movement wherever possible, um, you know, uninterrupted time for play and pleasure in life you know so a lot of those principles i i implement in my life and um and in in leadership um i'm also just as a leader i'm really influenced i love the work of um, brene brown i think her work on you know vulnerability and courage and and shame is you know something we can all take a lot of inspiration for when working with teams um, I love um, Simon Sinek's work as well. Um, I think you know he's quite inspirational as far as leadership, um, and I also am quite inspired by the work, um, the nonviolent communication work by Dr. Um, Marshall Rosenberg, where you know he encourages people to um, communicate, you know, get really get in touch with their feelings and that you know their emotional um, literacy and um how you know and getting in touch without meeting our own needs um so i really love his work um as well as you know the forefather of, of emotional intelligence david Gol um, goldman um i really admire his work as well what is the common myth about the culture of well-being and belonging that you want to get rid of i beg your pardon what is a common myth about the culture of well-being and belonging that you want to get rid of? Um, I think, you know, with, I, there is, there's, you know, quite a lot of things. First of all, I think, you know, as far as belonging um, and well-being, I think that some people, um, especially in teams, they, they're looking for a feeling of, of belonging and well-being outside of themselves. Um, you know, sometimes we can be in a team and everybody's trying their best and, you know, really working hard, um, but we don't actually, and we think, but we still can feel unsafe or we can still feel like we don't belong, but sometimes it's, it's how we're feeling on the inside um, or we're waiting for other people to validate us or to make us happy without sort of realizing that actually all those things are things that come from inside of us. Yes. Um, you know, if, if we have a true feeling of belonging inside of us, if we're, we have a good sense of well-being, um, then 
everything around us is going to feel so much better and we are going to feel like we belong whether there are people that disagree with us or not. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes we spend a lot of time pointing the finger and blaming other people and saying, you know, it's, it's their fault that I don't belong or it's their fault that, um, you know, that my well-being's bad or that I can't take care of myself. Um, and then we spend all the time sort of waiting for things to change without realizing that actually these are things I can provide for myself. Yes, absolutely. I agree. What is the one thing that people mean, misunderstand about the team culture? Um, I think sometimes <laughs> what, what people want is lots of people that are the same as them. Um, and or we or sometimes we we especially when we're coming from a place of not feeling good enough that we we feel like you know we constantly in competition with people whereas I think you know it's really important for us to realize that we're all different and we all have our our own sort of strengths and the things that we're working on um, and so you know instead of trying to make everybody like you um rather you know i was watching a really interesting little video today and they were talking about trust and attributes and and vulnerability and they said you know vulnerability is not just showing people your your weaknesses it's also showing people your strengths so you know as a good team we know what um, our weaknesses are and what other people's strengths are and so then we can work together on that and we can you know, um, we can complement each other rather than thinking, oh, that person's better at me, be better than me in a certain area. So I feel like I have to compete with them. It's rather about, you know, seeing how do we work together as a team and complement each other, I think is really important. Um, another thing that I think that sometimes we, we do really well as teachers but we don't do really well with the adults in our life is, you know, we're really empathetic with, um, with children when they're having perhaps, you know, a tantrum or they're having a bad day and we think, Oh, I wonder what's happening for that child that's making them behave this way. But we never think about that, you know, with another adult or we find it very difficult to, you know, so when somebody gets angry or, they um, they behave in a way that we don't like, we automatically jump into judgment and evaluation of that person and think that person's bad or that person's not doing a good job. Um, and we never think, well, actually, what's going on for that person to make them behave this way? We never think of them in an empathetic sort of way. We just think of them in a defensive way, like we have to defend ourselves. And so I really would love for team cultures to move into that sort of empathetic response instead and think, wow, okay, you know, almost have this idea that everybody's doing the best that they can, that nobody sets out to be miserable or horrible or angry. You know, if we could have the choice to be the best version of ourselves, we would. Um, and so rather than looking at behavior as something we have to defend ourselves against, um, to actually look at people in our teams and think, well, okay, um, sure, the, you know, there's the boundary, you know, speaking or yelling at people is not okay. But um, 
and you know there's certainly that boundary but realizing that there is a lot going on for different people um but and actually being there for each other i think and and just sort of thinking wow how can we be there to support each other through what we're going through what is one part of your daily routine that helps you achieve your goal um, I, I have a really good um, morning ritual and that sets me up for a great day. So um, usually in the morning when I wake up, I, um, I write in my gratitude journal. So I spend a, f a few minutes just sort of thinking about what it is that I'm grateful for. Um, and then I, um, I do just a brief meditation, um, just really about like, you know, opening my heart, setting a good intention for the day. Um, and if I do have time, I might do some, you know, some exercise or some yoga or something, but I don't do that every day. But the meditation and the gratitude is something that I do every day. Um, and it's something that really sustains me, especially when I am feeling a little bit, um, you know, when, when life is getting a bit tough, it's something, and you almost feel like, oh gosh, I don't want to do this. Um, I realize that that's something I need to keep balance in my life. And so that's something I always do. What is your alter ego? My alter ego? Mm -hmm. what, what do you mean by that? What is inside your head? What you, you just check you or just give you advice or, you know, control you or you, when you're doing something, I don't know, good or bad, it's just, push you or just stuck you somewhere? Something um, in your head, who is it? <laughs> or there's some example what you follow? Um, I, I certainly, um, you know, when I think about, um, you know, right at the beginning, I didn't even realize that I had, um, you know, that, that ability to think about what I was thinking about. Um, and I think that's something a lot of us don't actually realize that we have. So. I mean, I certainly have a, um, or I used to have in the past, really um, strong inner critic. Um, and that's something that, you know, I did need to become quite aware of. Um, so at the moment, I don't really have an alter ego. I used to, I, I, I'm a lot more um, conscious if I am having disempowering thoughts. Um, whereas before I used to just go with them as if they were just part of me. Now I'm, I've learned to, um, to challenge them and to think, okay, yeah, I've just had that thought. Um, what am I weighing this up in reality against? So I, I think I'm a lot more empathetic and compassionate with myself than I used to be. Um, you know, in the past I might've had thoughts like, oh my goodness, they just, they hate me or, um, you know, someone's just being really mean to me, or I would be really, really hard on myself. I'd say things like, oh, I've done that really, you know, I've, I've done a bad job, or I am a bad person. And now I'm a lot more conscious when those thoughts come up. Um, and, and I'm able to navigate myself and think, okay, how, and I, if there's something that does trigger me for a long period of time, what I'll actually do is um, lean into that rather than trying to suppress it, which I might have done in the past. So I might actually say, well, what is it that I'm feeling right now? Lean into that feeling and then just write down all the things that I might be saying in my head and then um, weigh, weigh that up as a, um, 
you know, against reality or think about what could I say to myself in a kinder way. Um, so that is a real skill to start sort of um, realizing that you're doing that. Um, but so, yeah, I think in the past, I might've had a really bitchy inner critic um, and she might've been someone, you know, like there was constantly in my ear going, but now I'm more like, okay, yes, I've heard you. Um, but yeah, is it the truth or is it just my thinking that's kind of gotten out of whack a little bit? If you could go back in your 20s, would you change anything or do anything differently? Um, no, I think, I think I, I really enjoyed my 20s. Um, but, and I also think that to change something about yourself, you might have, you might not be, become the person that you, um, that you are now. So I think, you know, all our experiences, you know, make us who we are. So whether they're good experiences or bad. Well, that was absolutely wonderful to hear from you, Tanya. Thank you so much for sharing, not only with me, but my audience as well. I hope those who are listening enjoy it all. And thank you so much, Tanya, for coming on today. Stay tuned, guys. Thank you.